Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6, called A Worthy Walk. We are going to look at a subject called A Worthy Walk, uh, predominantly about the subject of unity tonight as we transition in Ephesians. So we're going to open to Ephesians chapter 4. We're looking at verses 1 through 6 tonight. So find your place in your Bible, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. We are going to take communion at the end of this message, so I just wanted to let you know it will be coming, and it's uh, really apropos for what's uh, on the plate tonight. So I was looking in my Hebrew word picture dictionary, and I looked up the word unite. The word unite means to strongly fence the door, or it can mean the brother's door. According to Strong's, the ancient root means to unify, and the word for one comes from this root. Our writer says, Dr. Seekin says, I've used this word picture in marriage and family counseling for years. If we are in a theater and a fire breaks out, common sense and human nature both have us going out the nearest door as quickly as possible. But if all the doors are bricked over and there is no exit, common sense and human nature will have us putting out the fire while it is still small. The same thing is true in a friendship, marriage, or community. If we leave doors open, a fire will start and it will grow larger until we have to leave. But if we have closed the door and a fire breaks out, we have to deal with it quickly and try to fireproof the relationship as much as possible. Although this will not stop people from breaking the covenant, just knocking down the walls, it does stop many broken relationships that no one wanted to give up on. What he's saying is, unity means put the fire out early. If trouble starts, don't run for the nearest exit, deal with it. And that's what unity is all about. And unity can be a real challenge. I don't have to tell you, as you look around our world tonight, I was sitting at lunch with Pastor John and we were watching one news report come after another and just uh, sad and tragic things. You think of Egypt tonight and uh, churches being burnt down. I, I heard of one Catholic church uh, had to cancel mass for the first time in 1,600 years in Egypt. Just all kinds of uh, uprisings and tragedies. And then a news story came out that three teenagers killed an Australian man. And from what I heard, they did it because they were bored. Because they were bored. And so our world looks around and tries to see, is there anything that reflects unity? Is there anything that really reflects oneness? And Paul's been spending three chapters trying to tell the church that we are one, we are one, we are one. And he's been using all of this incredible language and theology to show us our grand position in Christ. And he even goes so far as to say that not only the world, but angels take note of God's redemptive plan by the church. And they watch us. And they say, is it real? 
Is God true? Is this Christian thing really real? And that's why the devil comes in and tries to divide the church. It shouldn't surprise anybody uh, that the devil is pretty efficient at it. After all, get this, he caused a split in heaven. The Bible tells us that he took a third of the angels with him. Now, you want to talk about the best case scenario? You want to talk about a place that you would never want to leave? You want to talk about the coolest music, the best worship services, the best preaching you've ever heard? It's up there, folks. And he caused a third of the angels to rebel. So why should it surprise us that Paul says in Ephesians 4, we need to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? We've got to strive for it. We already have it, but we have to protect it. And it's the same way in your marriage. It's the same way in your marriage. Think about it. You're one with your uh, bride or, or husband, but you still have to endeavor to preserve the unity. The, the fact that you are married is one thing. The fact that you have to endeavor to keep romance alive and keep the relationship strong and tight. The Bible says the two become one, but the two don't always act like they're one. And the church can be the same way. Relationships, friendships can be the same way. And when the world watches the church, I don't think the world will ever be shocked that Christians have issues and we have conflicts and marital problems and whatever. We all acknowledge that. We're all in process. But the question is, what do we do when that happens? We're really going to be defined as Christians. Not that we make mistakes and skin our knee sometimes. We were just talking about that in a song. We sang, my flesh is weak, (laughs) right? I know it. It's what I do after I fall, after I'm on my face, and I have to decide whether I'm going to humble myself or be prideful. That's a lot of what tonight is about, a worthy walk. So let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for this marvelous letter to the Ephesian church, and really a circular letter from what we studied earlier, a letter for really all churches for all time. Thank you for the rich uh, studies that we've had so far, and we are now going to turn a corner from doctrine to duty. It's been well said that you have to have right doctrine to live right, but once we get right doctrine, if we don't live right, then we have no excuse. And so, Father, help us because we realize we're in process, but we want to preserve that unity, which is a mark, according to your prayer in John 17, that the world will know that the Father sent the Son if we are one. So, Father, I pray that the church would be one. We are already one, but we need to endeavor to preserve that unity. And it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge maybe at more times, uh, at, at specific times more than others, but I pray that whatever lessons you want us to hear tonight, we'd not only hear, but we would respond in obedience tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Paul writes in Ephesians 4, after that great prayer where he says God is able to do all that we can, uh, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. He, He prayed that we'd be filled up to the fullness of God. He said to him be the glory, 321, in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. And we left full last week. Yeah, wow. What a benediction. What a way to, to, to summarize those first three chapters. What a great example. And Paul is doing what a preacher does. He is teaching the church 
and praying for the church. That's Acts 6, 4. We will devote ourselves to, to prayer and the ministry of the word. And Paul is modeling that as he writes the letter. He's teaching the church and praying for the church. Awesome stuff. And now he says, I therefore, and whenever we see the word therefore, we connect back to the previous statements that have been made. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Now Paul says, now that I've taught you all this, now that I've prayed for you, I therefore, in light of these truths, the prisoner of the Lord, I wanna remind you that I am writing this as a prisoner of Jesus. I entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now that you know who you are, now walk worthy. How's your walk? I was known at a previous church in Orange when I was a younger believer to be asking people that all the time. And sometimes people avoided me. Because I would go up to them and say, how's your walk, man? And they were, well, what? What'd you find out? Well, you know. <laughs> One time I went into a restaurant in Orange and Uh, I walked in there and these two ladies kept looking at me and I couldn't really place their face. It was one of those things where I knew who they were, like I knew them, but I couldn't remember where. Was it at the baseball field, the gym, church? And so I just couldn't quite place them, but they kept looking at me sheepishly. And I said, hi, ladies. And they said, okay, okay. We weren't in church today, okay? I had no idea who they even were. So anyway... But we are called, Paul, using the word parakaleo, the word entreat in the New American Standard, means to beg, to implore, to exhort. It has the idea of coming alongside to exhort somebody. It's the, the same root word of the word for the Holy Spirit. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he comes alongside us, get this, to help us to walk worthy. The fruits that you will see in Ephesians chapter four are similar to the fruits in Galatians five. And we know that the Holy Spirit's our comforter and we know the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. But ultimately, think about what the Spirit's job is. We grieve the Spirit, we'll see later in this particular chapter when we are angry and we let the sun go down on our anger and we let unwholesome words proceed out of our mouth. So what's the ministry of the Holy Spirit? To implore you to walk worthy. And that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, I'm in essence begging you to walk. The word walk simply means to live in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. See the word worthy there? It's the Greek word transliterated into English, axios, A-X-I-O-S. Listen to this definition. It means appropriately, suitably, worthily. The word has the root idea of weight. It means to balance the scales, This is the word from which we derive our English word axiom, which means to be of equal weight. In an equation, the axiom indicates doing something to each side of the equation so it remains true. It means balance. By extension, the word came to be applied to anything that was expected to correspond to something else. And we often say, is your walk matching up with your talk? See, we can talk all day long, right? Talk, 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 talk. We're all good at talking, right? People sometimes are good at talking about how good they are at sports. Oh, you play that too? Oh, let me tell you something, right? Get you in that court. Yeah? Sometimes the best talkers aren't real good walkers. You know? They'll talk, they'll talk, they'll talk. Then you get them on the court and you're like, how long have you been playing this game? You look like you've been playing for about a week, right? But talk, 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 right? 
What we want to do is let our walk do the talking for us. Amen? Let's let our walk reflect what we're really about. And so Paul's been talking about the wealth of the believer, how wealthy we are. Now he's, he's moving from theology to practicality, from doctrine to duty, however you want to say it, from exposition to exhortation. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. This is the word from which we derive our English word axiom, which means to be of equal weight. In an equation, the axiom indicates doing something to each side of the equation so it remains true. It means balance. By extension, the word came to be applied to anything that was expected to correspond to something else. And we often say, is your walk matching up with your talk? See, we can talk all day long, right? Talk, 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 talk. We're all good at talking, right? People sometimes are good at talking about how good they are at sports. Oh, you play that too? Oh, let me tell you something. I'll get you in that court. Yeah? Sometimes the best talkers aren't real good walkers. You know, they'll talk, they'll talk, they'll talk. Then you get them on the court and you're like, how long have you been playing this game? You look like you've been playing for about a week, right? But talk, 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 right? What we want to do is let our walk do the talking for us. Amen? Let's let our walk reflect what we're really about. And so Paul's been talking about the wealth of the believer, how wealthy we are. And now he's, he's moving from theology to practicality, from doctrine to duty, however you want to say it, from exposition to exhortation, from what God has done to what we must be and do, from mind-stretching theology to its down-the-earth, down-to-the-earth concrete implication in everyday living. Now that you know, this is what you should do. And that's always how it goes. If you read Paul's letter, uh, letters, read Romans 12.1, and he'll say, therefore, in light of this now, present yourselves as what? Living sacrifices. Spends 11 chapters that you might understand the gospel of grace. And now he says, now, 
present yourself to God. A holy, a living and holy sacrifice. Present yourself and do what you're supposed to do. Don't be conformed to the world. I just taught you 11 chapters on what theology and God's all about. Now be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to prove what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. How do you measure your walk? Well, you measure your walk by how your stride is, how you're living. You've been called with a holy calling. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful, through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.18, I want you to be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Therefore, holy brethren, Hebrews 3.1, partakers of a heavenly calling. Calling is all over our Bible. And we're to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. What's our calling? We've been called out of the world into Christ and we have all this grand positional wealth and now God is saying through Paul, now try to match up the walk to the wealth. That's how this division, when we laid out this division, we said that one way to lay it out is the first three chapters are the wealth of the believer, and now we move to the walk of the believer in four and five, and when we get to six, especially in starting in verse 10, we'll move to the warfare of the believer, and that'll be really important. But right now, we're in the walk part, so how do you walk? Well, here's how you do it. You do it, see it, verse two, with, what's the next word? Everybody got all in your Bible? And I've heard a lot of preachers say the word all means all and that's all that it means. So you are to do it with all, guess where it starts. If you want to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called, you have to do it with all, what's the next word? Humility. There it is again. That word humility. And you're to do it not with just some humility. (laughs) we'd like to say that, right? Couldn't it just be some humility, right? Does it have to be, isn't the the Bible annoying sometimes? Let's be honest. It's it's an all or nothing book, isn't it? It's always in your kitchen. I'm saying it's annoying to my flesh. I'm not dishonoring you, Lord. But sometimes you just go, Lord, is there any wiggle room here in these verses? Do all things without grumbling or complaining. So we're on the golf course and you know all these guys go to the church to play golf and so they've shortened Philippians 2.14 to P2.14. And so you hit a shot, ah, oh, for all rats and a P2.14, Pastor. Walk and talk, talk and walk. You know, they're doing that kind of thing. Rats, why did I preach that on Sunday? Right? And then we're going around the golf course and then it was this last time, it was change your face, right? Because we talk about Stephen being... <laughs> having the face of the angel, and you hit a shot. Oh, that's rah, rah. And then somebody calls you on a sermon that you preached. Can you believe it? What, I'm not shining right now? You guys don't? Anyway. <laughs> so what does humility mean since we're supposed to do it with all humility? In the Hebrew picture language, the word is shock. And the Messiah is called the Mashiach. And the Messiah lowered himself. And that's what the word in in Hebrew means. Hum- humility is to lower yourself. And on the night before Jesus died, he lowered himself and he took a basin of water and took off his outer garment and he began to lower himself and wash the disciples' feet to the degree that they were, I think, were all shocked. 
And the Messiah, the Mashiach, lowered himself and came from heaven to earth. And he emptied himself and made, made, uh, came in the form of a bondservant, made in the likeness of men. And he emptied himself of the privileges and prerogatives of deity for a season. Why? To die for us, even while we were yet sinners. And so if you want to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, you need to get low. The word in Hebrew means, humble means to destroy the wall. The word picture speaks of a person flat on their face in humility. When the wall of a, around a city is knocked down, when all defenses are gone, there is humility. Imagine an invading army and you're begging for your life. That's the picture. When you and I, says Frank Seekins, knock down the walls between ourselves and God, ourselves and others, when we leave nothing standing between us and them, this is true humility. If I keep up the walls, that is pride. And pride is sin, and that word for sin is chata, and it means to make your own prison. Humility means the walls get knocked down, and sin means you make your own prison. What beautiful pictures. And can it get any more clear? If I keep the walls up between myself and God, and we've had stretches where we've done that, for whatever reason, we don't understand something, we're angry about something, so we keep a wall up between us and God, and we don't want to hear it, and so pride keeps us from experiencing the fullness of that relationship. Or we have a wall up in a relationship with somebody else, and pride keeps us from resolving that issue, and remember, if you don't resolve the issue, then you don't have Unity, which is what this study is all about. But when the walls come down, you have healing and then unity. And it, there's a cost. Because to let somebody back in when you've been wounded is humility. Humility is not only seeing yourself as you ought to see yourself, it's seeing others through God's eyes. It's seeing the value in others. You know, sometimes the reason we don't see value in others, get this, is because we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So humility gives you a proper assessment of yourself and others. But when you're prideful, you can't see others the way God sees them because you're too busy looking down at everybody. But when you get low, here's the word picture, folks. You all of a sudden begin to see things on an equal plane. See, a lot of us, all of us can fight this pride thing. We think, you know what? Uh, we think we got it going on sometimes, and, and maybe sometimes it skews our vision. And Paul says, if you want to walk worthy, you got to do it with all humility. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. You know, the Greeks and Romans didn't even have a word for humility. That's how much they despised it. They didn't think it was cool. They wanted, they wanted a strong man who had it all together. You lack nothing, right? But a strong man will at one point in his life become humbled. And the, the time he will become humbled is when he sees that he doesn't have it all together. You've been listening to A Worthy Walk, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 4. One through six. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. 
The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, speaking of a worthy walk, I'd like to honor Pastor Christian Ionescu, who came out to our special 633 event. And uh, i tell you what, what a blessing to have a man who is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and uh, equipping others. And I'm very grateful for these 633 events. And hey, if you'd like to watch the event, it is on our YouTube channel. Go to walkintruth.com and you can connect to that 633 event or you can go to uh, download our Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store and you can also get to the event that way. But just go to walkintruth.com. That's the simple way to do it. And hey, I'd like to invite you to our Wednesday night service. We're going through the book of First John right now. It's Wednesday night, 7 p.m., 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. We'd love to have you join us on a Wednesday night. Hey, it's a great time to get refilled for the rest of the week in the great book of 1 John. And by the way, if you need anything, you can call us at 844-48-TRUTH. You can get details. You can have a pastor pray for you. 844-48-TRUTH. And again, the Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in 1 John is at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Hey, if you have any questions about the church, go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow for more on A Worthy Walk. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6, called A Worthy Walk. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.